Welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. It's great to see you today. I hope your day is going well. And more importantly, I hope your business is going well. If not, and you're looking for some good advice to lift up your business today, you are in luck. We have an amazing, incredible guest on the podcast today. We got Bob Berg on the podcast. I'm sure you've heard of him. He's the author of The Go-Giver. It's one of the most popular books in the networking world. It comes around quite a bit in the sales conversation. Um, I personally think it is an incredible book. Uh, and like I said, it's been recommended to me even before I checked it out. It had been recommended to me probably a dozen times. This book will flip on its head the whole sales conversation and really make sales more about what do you give rather than what you receive. I love this episode. And more importantly, I love sitting down with Bob. You're going to enjoy this episode. Before we dive in, though, we got a word from one of the amazing sponsors for the podcast. Take a listen. We'll be right back soon. There's one single piece of advice that I give to business owners who are ready to scale their business drastically, and that's knowing exactly what you need to hand off so that you can continue focusing on what you're an expert in. It amazes me when I talk to business owners who are doing their own bookkeeping and tax prep, and worse, that they're going through all of this paperwork at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, even midnight, slaving away trying to make sense of all of the numbers for their business. Business owners who are making it happen have already figured out that you can't do it all yourself. That's why I recommend Steve Lay with Equity Business Solutions. Not only is he an expert in bookkeeping and tax prep, but what I love about Steve is that he'll sit down with you and help you make sense of the value of your business beyond just reading a spreadsheet. You'll be able to make better decisions, and more importantly, you're going to save yourself the crucial time you would have spent going through QuickBooks or an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it is that keeps us up late at night. So save yourself some time and some money by giving Steve Lay a call at Equity Business Solutions, and he'll show you the value beyond your numbers. Go to EquityBusinessSolutionsLLC.com to find out more. Bob, it is so great to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining. Oh, thank you, Blake. Great to be with you. You know, Bob, I got to be honest, every now and then we have what I call a high profile guest. I mean, all the guests are amazing, but you are someone who you've published an incredible book. Uh, I feel like it is shared everywhere. Like I mentioned to you before we hit record that it's been mentioned in my BNI meeting quite a bit. Um, it, it's just great to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you. Well, love BNI. One of, you know, the founder, Dr. Meisner, is really one of my heroes. And uh, BNI are, you know, made up of people who do networking right. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's an honor to know that they uh, support the book. So I know that many people who are in the entrepreneurial world, they've either read the book themselves or they've been handed a copy or it's been mentioned before. Uh, give us a little bit of the origin story. How did the book come about? You know, how did you put this thing together? Uh, I'd love to hear what led up to publishing the book. Well, many years ago, and this is now, I guess, about 30 years ago, uh, I had a uh, my first big book, which was called Endless Referrals, and the subtitle is Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. Uh, and it was really a how-to book for for entrepreneurs and salespeople who, uh, you know, like they, they knew they had a great product or service. They knew it brought 
lots of value to their customers and clients, but they didn't necessarily feel comfortable or confident going into their local communities and building the kinds of relationships that would that would cause people to want to do business with them directly and or indirectly. So Endless Referrals was really a how-to guide. The, the basic premise was that all things being equal, uh, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And so, right. uh, you know, it was a successful book, and and uh, but it was a you know a traditional how-to book. And I, I'd always, since I'd been in sales, I'd always, uh, and this has you know been about forty years now. Uh, I, I'd always loved reading business parables because mm-hmm. stories, I think they connect on a deeper level, a heart to heart level. And, and there's something special about them. And I'd always thought, you know, one day I'd like to take the basic premise and, and write a story with it, but I'm really not a, a a storyteller. I mean, from stage I can, but as far as writing a book, I'm more of a, I'm a how-to author. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's my strength zone. So in the, uh, I guess early 2000, maybe about 2000, two, three, four, what have you. I'm not sure. But I I got a chance to meet John David Mann, uh, who was the editor-in-chief of uh, a magazine I was writing a monthly column for. And John was a great editor, but he also had a a fantastic reputation uh, within his niche of being a terrific writer, storyteller. He'd been kind of the ghostwriter behind a couple of very big parables and and so forth. He was just a great guy. And um, so I, I took this idea to him, this very, very basically sketched out you know, type of thing. It, it certainly wasn't even in story form, just some ideas. Uh, but I, I said, I'd love him to be the the lead writer and uh, uh, storyteller. And, you know, he was, he was busy at the time, but because of the relationship we had, he mm-hmm. considered it. So uh, he and his, uh, well, back then fiance, now wife, uh, Anna, they were in Western Florida, uh, Gulf Coast visiting her mom. So they took a, a about a four hour drive across state uh, to visit me. And I live in uh, Jupiter, Florida, which is the uh, right on the ocean side. So, um, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, so we had about a we had about a three hour <laughs> dinner after their yeah. four hour ride, uh, discussing what the book would be would be about. And he, he still wasn't totally you know there, but a few weeks later he called me and said, you know, Anna and I have been discussing this. Yeah, I think this is a good idea. Let's do it. So we we wrote the story, and again, I I give John the credit for making this thing sing. You know, I mean, he he made that story happen. Um, uh, that was the easy part. It took us maybe three or four months, but then it took us a year uh, to find a a, a um, publisher. Uh, we got turned down, I think, twenty four times by by New York publishing houses before Jeez. finally. The twenty fifth one said yes, and they were they've been a fantastic publishing partner. I didn't know that detail. It's so funny to me. You know, it's, I love that detail too because, as many of the people listening to the podcast are business owners, uh, they are they've become salespeople, right? Sure. Because you know, when you become a business owner, you have, you learn how you absolutely. have to sell. Oh, absolutely. Um, and social media doesn't always tell. They tell like the successful part, but not always the grind. Uh, but it, it sounds like I mean, you guys had to have been committed to this idea. I mean, twenty four knows. Uh, I mean, what kept you going after the first one said no, that you weren't just like, all right, yeah, we're done. You know, this, yeah. this isn't going to pan out. Well, I mean, John and I both had been salespeople, you know, in in our lives, salespeople and entrepreneurs. So we know that no is just part of the game. Hmm. But we also, um, you know, we took the no's 
for what they were. Now, in some cases, it was just, no, we're not interested in doing a parable. Well, okay, that's more of a condition than an objection. If they're not interested in that, they're obviously, some were, you know, uh, we like the idea of a parable. We don't necessarily like that story. Well, you know, so we'd find out why that was and and did they have a point and, and that we could live with and change it a bit and adapt here and adjust there? Maybe yes, maybe no. We we tried to keep a very open mind about it, not let our egos uh, get in the way. Uh, some just said, uh, yeah, we like doing parables, but the world doesn't need another parable right now. Well, again, uh, that, that we're not going to, we're going to kind of just say next in that case. And yeah. then some had some things where, yeah, we like the story, but we didn't feel it really had, well, okay, now it made us think, well, we need to get right because the market's always going to tell you, you know, mm. what now it doesn't mean a, a publisher is going to be right. But we 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 needed to listen, just mm. like any salesperson. You know, you listen and you 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 know kind of put it through yeah. the, and you you ask the others in your brain trust, and, and we're very lucky that we have great people around us. And um, let me, let me so ask you, event, or, or sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Let no, me ask no, you a quick question there because I think it's a great nuance there for our listeners. How do you, as a as an entrepreneur, as a business owner? How do you know the difference between someone who tells you no? I think you said like it's the wrong condition, like, oh, we're just not looking for that kind of book right. and legitimate feedback. Cause it feels like as idea as we're selling things, we can easily mix the two up. Like someone gives you legitimate oh, feedback and you're like, oh, well, you know, you weren't my customer anyway, when they were, but you missed you missed the opportunity wow. to see insight there. So how how can our listeners um how do you get better at figuring that out? Yeah, that's a great question. That's why listening is so important and listening really to to understand uh, as as opposed to just kind of listen in order to then get your opinion back in there. Mm, you know, what I'm yeah. And so and it's not always easy, but it's something that you've you know, you've got to be able to do. Uh, I'm also a big believer in asking people around me whose opinions I I trust. Um, and that aren't necessarily going to just tell me what I want to hear. Right. right. But they're people who have experience that I know I can learn from. And even then, you're still going to go through everything and you're going to decide, does this make sense? How does it make sense? Where does it make sense? Why might they be thinking that? Uh, you know, so you're always going to be checking premises. But, you know, from the time that we we for handed in that first copy um, and our agent took that copy to that first one who said no, to the last one, we did make some changes. Uh, we didn't change the story around a whole lot, but there were some changes we made that needed to be made. But one big thing was we needed to um, to really kind of up the the marketing we'd be doing and how we'd be positioning ourselves and positioning the book. And so, you know, we invested time, money, and so forth, energy into doing that. So um, it turned out that you know some of the suggestions are really good suggestions; others were kind of meaningless. But, you know, they all have a, they all, you know, have a point. You know, it, it's funny, a good friend of mine, actually, she and her husband, uh, Andrea Waltz and Richard uh, Fenton uh, wrote a, a parable that came out about the same time ours did, maybe a year or so later. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's called Go For No. Hmm. And it's about a copying machine salesperson who learns how to kind of utilize the word no as a as inspiration as opposed to discouragement. Uh, and so the, you know, the subtitle is yes, is the destination. No is how you get there. Mm. Right. So there's a whole parable just about how to really be able to deal with the word. No, because it can be discouraging and I don't want to in any way, you know, come across 
to your viewers and your listeners as though I'm saying we didn't care about the nose. And it was like, ah, you know, who cares? No, we were discouraged at times. Yeah. It was just a matter of despite, you know, because I don't think anybody likes to be to be told no. Who does? Right now, there's the old sales thing. Well, they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to your the opportunity. <laughs> well, well, that's true, but it still stinks. Yeah, <laughs> right? I, I, it feels so like we know we don't want to sugarcoat that. You know, Bob, it feels like also when you're young in your business, like your business is is. I mean, you're putting so much blood, sweat, and tears into this. And for some of the listeners, maybe even they quit their full-time job, you know, to go all in on this. And so there's there's an interesting thing there on, <clears throat> excuse me, leaning into the no to gain insight versus the business owner where like the no is so hurtful, like you avoid right. the no. Um, so I, I think you're making a great insight there. And I know you said it, it was discouraging, but you also mentioned like you got y'all's ego wasn't on the line. I think that right there is a challenge for business owners is how do I separate me and my idea from the feedback I'm getting? Um, yeah. So I, I think there's an answer to it, which it took me many years to discover from, from when I was younger and I was really ego driven and, and ego led. Okay. And I think it's having as as your highest value the seeking of truth. Mm. As, you know what I'm saying? So in other words, mm. if you if you notice and if you read books about very sustainably successful people, uh, immensely sustainable companies, you find that truth is a very big, very high value. They're much more interested in, in knowing the truth about something than they are in just feeling good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And so, uh, you know, you have companies like the Bridgewater Fund, Ray Dalio, where, you know, he wrote in his book Principles that it, that it was it was required of, of people in the company. And it was the from the lowest on the totem pole all the way up to Dalio himself, that if that no matter, you know, if someone saw that something was counterproductive to the way things were happening in the business, if yeah, they they called each other out. Now, they did it politely and it should be done politely and, and tactfully. And and, and and so forth, of course, uh, respectfully, but the truth was the highest ideal, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and so that's how they, uh, you know, they made sure they were always advancing. They weren't getting caught in their own, you know, in their own egos. And so uh, I think once I started seeing that, as I got a little older and more mature, and started <laughs> seeing that as the, you know, that that's when things turned around. There's hope for me. Then I just need to, I just need to get a little bit more seasoned. Well, like you you're, are. <laughs> you're very, you're very young. You're, I don't know how old you are, but I can tell you're way ahead at your age than I was when I was your age. So, well, so it, in hindsight, so like, so the go-giver over a million copies sold is translated into 30 different languages. It, it is. Um, and I don't know like what all industries you've seen the book proliferate into, but I know for me, it has been in that like referral, um, sales world. Um, in hindsight, like, did you know it was lightning in a bottle or like, is it weird looking back and being like, wow, this thing, <laughs> not to sell yourself short, but like this thing really took off. People really like this book. Like what's it like now years later looking back and being like, holy cow, this thing is, it's a household business book. Well, we, we were confident that there was a market for it because we felt that people wanted to know that, that they could do business <clears throat> in a way that, uh, they could feel good about themselves while also greatly profiting. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we felt it was a message that who's, who, that that's time it had come, even though we also didn't think it was particularly original because, you know, you read any good business book or any good sales book, it's always about focusing on providing great value to others and being willing to receive abundance. You know, I mean, that's really all we did is, is take kind of take those principles and put them into a story. Um, but we felt uh, that it was it was going to be well embraced. I, I don't think anyone ever knows that it's going to hit that big when it does. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, we can say, oh, yeah, I knew, you know, I don't think we ever really know. So I, I'd say we 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 suspected it was going to be successful. I'm not sure if we expected it was going to hit as it did. Yeah. You strike me as someone who's but it pretty feels hum- great that it did. <laughs> Very glad. <laughs> but you you strike me as someone who's pretty humble though, um, in the sense of like you have every reason, right? To like I've published a book this book. I'm, you know, this international keynote speak keynote speaker. I mean, you're doing all these incredible things. Um how do you, I guess, stay hungry for I guess what's next or, you know, new entrepreneurial ideas, new books that pop into your head? Like what does that process look look like for you? Um, well, again, you know, it's easy to stay humble when you've made as many mistakes as I mm. have. And that's what people don't see. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that with most people, you know, who've accomplished some things, uh, there's been many more defeats, many more failures. Um, in fact, I'm not really sure how, uh, maybe sometime, maybe some people just have that, you know, natural thing and things just fall into place. But uh, the laws of life don't tend to work that way. Uh, you know, you, you learn by making mistakes. Now I'd always rather learn through other people's mistakes, right? You know, say, oh, uh, OPM, other people's money. How about OPM, other people's mistakes or yeah, OPW, yeah. other people's wisdom. And that's something I didn't start to learn till I was in my late twenties, early thirties. I thought I had to, you know, fail at everything, learn it my, or, you know, learn it myself and be right. Well, it, it, you shouldn't have to quite do that. There's, there's a lot of other people's experience we can learn from. Um, and, and so that's, I think that's what kind of motivates me to, to spread that message. So when you say, well, how do you, you know, how do you really keep hungry or staying? It's because you feel like there's a lot more work to be done mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you, you kind of feel, and I think it's a, an aspect of human nature that we want to feel like we're making a difference. Like we're part of something bigger than just ourselves. Yeah. So, it, so it's really, uh, so it's really for selfish reasons. You know, mm-hmm. I feel good about myself when I feel like I'm being productive and uh, bringing value. You know, when I think about like just the impact you're making and then also, um, you know, you made the comment like there's nothing really that new, I guess. I mean, the book's incredible, obviously, but I, I say this a lot on the podcast when people are like, hey, it's a great podcast. I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, I don't really I don't really say anything that's like that insightful in the sense of it's a new concept. Um, but it does feel like there is this kind of constant battle for newer entrepreneurs as they try to sort of like discover their identity of like, how, um, how new does my service or product need to be? Um, you know, if I'm not the only one offering this, am I doing the wrong thing? How do I differentiate myself? You know, you, you published a business book that, uh, and it wasn't your first one. There are thousands of business books. Uh, do you have any advice or encouragement for sort of the budding entrepreneur who's like really thinking about, okay, what does it look like to leave my mark in a meaningful way? 
Well, first, you know, and you brought up a good point as you were as you were talking about that, you know, about differentiation. And I think that's what it comes down to. That doesn't mean the product or service has to be new. There's very few new things. You know, I mean, every so often somebody's going to invent something and, you know, that's great. All the power to them and 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 so forth. Um, but there's not a not a whole lot of new stuff. I, I think there's ways to apply things maybe that are, you know, that that are new. But I think the biggest thing is it's how you differentiate yourself in the marketplace among in your marketplace amongst those who are selling basically the same thing as as you are. So let's say you have someone who opens up a uh, an accounting business, okay? And they're doing people's taxes. And well, I mean, there's nothing new about the value they're going to bring. Intrinsically, they're going to help people save money on their taxes. They're going to save their clients time, uh, you know, by doing it instead of a client doing it. And they're going to provide their their client with the peace of mind and security of knowing it was done correctly. Okay. There's nothing new about that. That's what an accountant does. Um and so, but if you but if you did nothing more than that, you'd be in trouble because all your competing, uh, you know, accountants can say that they can do the same thing. So if if your prospective customer or client cannot see any difference between you and any of your your competitors, well, it's always going to come down to who has the lowest mm-hmm. fee or or price. That's a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you sell on low price, you're basically a commodity. You're interchangeable. Mm-hmm. You're right. When you sell on high value, you're a resource. So how do you distinguish yourself in the marketplace? How do you build such a reputation that you become that accountant of choice, even that one who is charging higher fees than your competitors? And, you know, so the the short answer is you become that additional value, right? You become that that point of differentiation. Now, how do you do that? Well, the good news is there are dozens, if not hundreds of ways to to communicate that additional value, but they tend to come down to five uh, what we call elements of value. And those elements of value are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And to the degree that you can communicate one or more, hopefully all five of those at every single touch point. So Mm. from the minute you meet that person, whether it's an inbound call, someone responding to something that you, an article that you put online or or an outbound call, or you meet somebody at your, uh, uh, at a local event or whatever it happens to be, from the moment you meet that person through the um, follow up and follow through process, the relationship building process, the sales process, the referral process, to the degree that you communicate that excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. That's the degree that you take both low price or low fee and your competition out of the picture. You have distinguished yourself in the marketplace. Doesn't mean the product or service is different, but you've brought a whole different level of experience to it for your, your marketplace. We talk a lot about this on the podcast um, in terms of like building your tribe of of raving fans, and I love how you make the the differentiation conversation about you as the owner, like your what you're bringing to the table and the way you're doing business. Because I know sometimes people they miss they miss the personal element of this, and so when they're talking about like the accounting company, like, well, how are we going to be different? They they go to things that they think is different, but doesn't really matter to the customer. For example, like. We're going to do all your accounting books on hot pink paper. Like it's different, but right. it's not 
It's not that's meaningful. A, that's a great point. That you know, you, you bring know? up a great point. A colleague of mine, his name is Scott McCain. He wrote a book called Create Distinction. And he said, you know, there's a big difference between being different and being and distinguishing yourself. You know, anybody can be different. You can stand on a street corner and go, you know, that's different. <laughs> yeah. You're probably not going to bring in a lot of business doing yeah. that. You know, so I love what you say. Yeah. It's not the pink paper that does it. It's the, you know, so I'll, I'll give you, a, you know, just a thought. There, there's a, a woman in um, Michigan who tells a story, you know, and she happens to be an accountant. And so when a new client walks into her office, I mean, this is, again, this is just one thing. It could be anything. And it's amazing how this can be uh, utilized. The basic principle can be utilized in many different, many businesses. But when a new client would come in, they had this big whiteboard in the in the uh, waiting area, the reception area. And one of her um, uh, team members was uh, an artist. And so they would draw a thing that, uh, you know, welcome to new, you know, she'd do it in the fancy calligraphy, welcome to new clients, you know, Dave and Betty Jones, and she'd draw flowers. And then they actually had, you know, fresh flowers all around it, you know, welcome to it, right? And made a big thing of these new clients. Now, hmm. what does that have to do with accounting? Well, nothing. Okay. Hmm. But it had everything to do with these people feeling amazingly welcome. When they came in now, what do you think they're telling everybody, all their friends the next time they see them mm -hmm. <laughs> right? about the, about how their accountant made them feel so welcome by, you know, whatever. So, again, those are just, you know, that's not everything, but that's one thing that is a way that just distinguishes you. I've, I feel like the business is that it almost feels like um, when people talk about customer service. Like we, it's become such like an overused term, kind of like authenticity on social media. Someone's like, oh, I'm very authentic. But in the same way, I know so many businesses, because I ask this question to people uh, who I work with, who come on the podcast, I say, hey, what, what makes your business different? And honestly, the most common answer I get is customer service. Uh, but what's interesting is I don't I don't know if if many people are thinking about it in the way you're talking about it, which is I think of like a level higher, like we're talking customer experience, like what's sure. the experience like? And I think instead we're thinking of like, oh, well, I was polite to that customer. Uh, exactly. uh, you yeah. know, even though even though I didn't like I didn't cuss them out, like I didn't lose my temper. And it's right. like that's like I gave great customer service instead of really thinking about that higher level thing, which is really what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ab absolutely. And then there's a, you know, just another story about distinct uh, about, you know, distinguishing oneself. Uh, this is during the uh, this is when, actually this was actually uh, after the go giver soon after the go giver first came out. Uh, I think this was in 2008. And it was during the financial crisis uh, at the time. And uh, we got an email from a guy who was in the Pittsburgh area. He was a roofer. He repaired roofs. And at that time, he and all his his um, competitors were finding their business just went downhill. Why? Because it's not that people didn't need their roofs repaired. It's that they didn't have, the, you know, they were worried about the money, right? About not having the money. And then they they couldn't wait to get, uh, you know, they didn't know how long it was going to take to get reimbursed by the home insurance company and this and that. And, that. and, and so what they were all doing, he and this is, you know, according to his email, was they were kind of all pulling back on the value they were giving, trying to give the least value, right? Well, for the same amount of money, read the go-giver and he went, wow, I'm doing this like totally backwards. I've got to focus on the value, right? And the, and and it, and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money to do that. And that's, that's the thing. And what he did, I thought this was brilliant. Uh, he, he researched the insurance companies and he discovered how to help people get their money 
reimbursed uh, the most they could, the quickest period of time in the, with the least hassle. So now he'd come across or he'd see someone with a roof that need repair. The, 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 and he never asked, would you like your roof repaired? That wasn't the question. He knew they wanted their needed their roof repaired. It was, I can do that. Not only can I repair your roof, but I can help you get reimbursed quickly to the highest degree and with the least hassle. And I'll walk you right through it. Mm-hmm. And his business just took off. It doesn't surprise me. We had another person on the podcast, um, Patrick Stewart, who's the CEO of Apricot Lane Boutiques. It's a boutique clothing store. And what's wild about Apricot Lane is during COVID, so many brick and mortar stores and and immediately after COVID, so many brick and mortar stores were dying. Uh, in fact, there were many headlines about, is, is this the end of the brick and mortar store? Or Apricot Lane, meanwhile, was exploding in growth. And I was asking him like, so what's the secret? And he said, you know, even though people's temptation was making as many sales as possible, like getting customers in and out, our approach was, how do I actually spend more time with that customer? How do I find ways to be more intentional with them? And mm-hmm. it sort of created this amazing reputation about their brand. Uh, and it's 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 the reason he points to for why the business gr- grew during COVID while everyone else in his industry was really shrinking. I love that. That's that's awesome. Good to uh, we are getting towards the end of our conversation today. Um, quick question as we're wrapping up. Uh, you're an author. I'm, you know, I see the amazing books behind you. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, uh, as of today, and you can't say a book that you've published, uh, all-time favorite book. So I, I hate to not just give you a direct <laughs> answer, but it's I had a sort feeling of you the, might do this. <laughs> But it, it sort of depends on, you know, on on what is looking to be accomplished through that. So, you know, if you if you talk about, you know, if it's a matter of people skills. Well, I can't find it there, but it's, you know, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Great book. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. it, if, it's, if it's about. Understanding the way the mind works. And how our belief system is what determines our success than psychocybernetics that was published in, you know, 1960 uh, is is a book that just, you know, totally helped me to an immense degree back when I, you know, back when I first read it. Um, If you're looking at understanding human nature uh, and how human nature relates to sales, then a book called The Secret of Selling Anything by harry brown uh which was actually written in the 1960s uh but published in i think 2007 or something uh but you know this would be to me the my favorite book so and then there's books such as peace power and plenty written back in i think this was 1910 maybe 1909 1909 i think by orson sweat martin the original founder of of success magazine which talks about you know inner peace personal power and plenty or abundance and every you know every page just has just gems of you know of wisdom on it so i can't really give you one book um but there's so many of them that have made such a difference in my life well for our listeners if you're not watching the video uh bob has a massive bookcase behind him and for each of those books i mean there's got to be hundreds of books behind him uh, or 100 bucks 
for every book, he turned and went to exactly where the book was. So it's not for display. Like it's clear, Bob, you've read all these. And then every book that Bob pulled out, uh, he had a number of post-it notes, uh, (laughs) annotations, notes on the book. You know, you may not be a reader, guys, but if you want to be successful in business, you have to learn how to learn from other people. Uh, So we got a few great recommendations from Bob, but hey, you know what to do. You got to get a copy of The Go-Giver to totally elevate your business game. Bob, it was so special having you on the podcast today. I got so much from it. So did our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on today. Um, Where would be the best place for people to buy the book? Uh, you know, if they go to Berg, B-U-R-G dot com and they go to the, the tab where it says books, they can they can get the first chapter and see if they like it first and then click through to Amazon or, you know, wherever wherever they would like. Uh, there'll also be a little pop up that says they can subscribe to my daily impact email. And um, so there's a lot to check out if they would like. But basically, Berg.com is the place. B-U-R-G dot com is the place to go. Right. Thank you again, Bob. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to put the link to Berg.com in the episode description so you can get yourself a copy of The Go-Giver as well as getting, as well as getting on that daily uh, newsletter. And hey, if you're listening to the podcast and you're thinking, hey, am I subscribed to this thing? The answer needs to be yes. Click that subscribe or follow button so you can keep getting good advice. Don't forget, if you're a business owner and you want your business advertised on the podcast, you can absolutely reach out at Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com or check out our Patreon to support the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. And that's today's good advice. We'll catch you later. See ya.